You were looking for a second-hand spaceship, mate? As a matter of fact, I am in the market, yes. Thought so, thought so. I know the type, you see. I can tell. It's like a sixth sense. Well, you are standing under a sign which says Crazy Stan's Second-Hand Spaceship Shack in big flashing letters. Yeah. Oh, and this is a second-hand spaceship showroom. Yeah. And you are wearing a badge which says Ask me about buying second-hand spaceships because, boy, do I have a whole bunch of them. True. True enough, mate. I can see I'd have to get up pretty early in the morning to get one over on you. Can we safely assume that you are the aforementioned crazy Stan? Guilty as charged, sir. My prices are so crazy, I ought to be locked up. How much for the old Mac 14 mining craft over there? Two dead bumblebees and a pair of pink jogging bottoms. You're right. That is pretty crazy. My prices are insane, mate. Last week, this guy bought a galactic destroyer off me. A big one, all gunmetal grey with big fins and a plexiglass control room on top. Dead retro, right? I could have gotten 100,000 credits for it. Easy. Guess what I charged him? I have no idea. His firstborn son. I didn't even tell him. I just picked up the pram and legged it. I'm crazy. I'm a nutter. Look, can we get back to the matter in hand? Yeah. Do you have any liquid spaceships? What now, Giza? Liquid spaceships. I see adverts for them all over the central hub systems. Spaceships made from a kind of viscous black ooze that's capable of mimicking any organic or synthetic matter. Oh, liquid spaceships. Yeah, mate. i got liquid spaceships coming out of my eyeballs. <laughs> I did wonder why water is pouring out of you at an alarming rate. Yeah, I'm actually driving this model right now. It's second-hand, of course, but it's a beauty. One careful owner, pretty good mileage, too. How much has it done? Well, one trillion light-years, but it also travels in time, so yesterday it will be a lot less, and tomorrow it might be brand new, if you get what I mean. Not really. It's a steal at this price, mate. An absolute bargain. Any downsides? Well, it does tend to murder you and then sort of pilot your body around like a water-sodden Japanese horror movie reject. But every vehicle has its pros and cons, and it's got a nice sunroof. I don't know, Stan. It looks like it's missing a bit at the bottom there. What? This bit here? No, mate. That's just a little bit of cosmetic damage, innit? I think the previous owner had a bit of a knockdown drag around the Milky Way once. On the plus side, little known fact, every little bit of this vehicle is also a vehicle. I don't get it. Well, if a bit drops off, then it's also a spaceship. So if every bit of the spaceship is a spaceship, why do you need so much spaceship to begin with? Well, it's simple. It's because... Well, that's... Well, look, stop asking questions. Okay, fine. So what craziness is it going to cost me to take it off your hands? Well, that's simple. Nothing. You've already bought it. What? I am you. I bought the spaceship years ago. Now I've come back in time to sell it to myself. This makes no sense. Well, it's time travel, isn't it? It's crazy. Now, come on. I can give you a bit of my spaceship and that'll be a spaceship on its own. And then we'll both have spaceships and we can fly around together and be like spaceship best buddies forever. I feel like my mind's imploding. <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs>
I was thinking about the races of Middle Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which Harry Potter house would you just put them in? Sure, like the entire race. I was thinking I'd put the humans would be Gryffindor because uh-huh. they're quite sort of brash and brave. overbearing, and yeah, they're brave and they run into things and and such like, and they have some nobility but also some stupidity. Then I would put the elves in Raven Ravenclaw Claw, because yeah. they're, you know, very intelligent and also slightly aloof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're haughty. They're haughty. Haughty they? elves. Haughty elves. I'd probably put the wizards as Slytherin. I was going to put the orcs in, but then I think, you know... That's too on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be a bit too much. And yeah. besides, the orcs are brutish and I get the feeling that... What you really want is sort of deviousness, and I think the wizards bring that to the party. Yeah, Slytherin's a bit refined. Yeah. They're they're kind of noble evil, aren't they? They are. They're Mm. sort of lawful evil, not chaotic evil. Which means that Hufflepuff would be... The Hobbits. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, Hobbit Puff. Man, I I wish we did a podcast about either Harry Potter or Tolkien, but we don't. We do a podcast about Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Um, Welcome back, everyone. (laughs) Sorry we've been away so long. Uh, This is not a full official episode of the Oodcast. We're not all here. Uh, I've never been all here. Oh, my love. No, that's not true. Maybe a little true. Yeah. Um, We are uh, the Sigmas, Laura and Chris Mead. We just picked up another surname along the way at some point that's true (laughs) um and welcome to the ood one out which is a kind of a mini series we're going to do 15 20 minutes uh it'll be me i'm afraid every week uh with a different guest um and we should hear from all the ood's uh across the season at different times but think of these as concentrated mini episodes a um a spin-off a class or a torchwood to the main series doctor who I think that's a really good way of describing it. Ooh, a torchwood. I mean, think of the incredible sexual tension that is crackling between us even now. Yes, I'm going to touch you on your foot. <laughs> oh man. I just Gosh. did it. Yeah, we, we're in our new house, everyone. Anyone who is old listeners to the show, we're in our new house. We're in our spare room. And yesterday we met Alpha's baby, his new baby, who is well cute. Yes, that's true. Looks like a tiny alpha. Well, I say a tiny alpha. Alpha's tiny, so it's just... It's just like a slightly smaller <laughs> like, is version. Is your twin brother? Who keeps gobbing everywhere. I mean, and again. <laughs> doing the plank as well on yeah. the coffee shop table. He's got some serious core muscles. That he kid. does. That that was the baby, not Chris Alpha. Yeah, Chris did. I don't think he's doing a plank on a coffee shop table anywhere. Although, again, something I'd like to see. <laughs> I would love to see that. Uh, well, it is... Jolly nice to be back. We are going to review for you the first episode of Series 10 of Doctor Who, which is called, cleverly, The Pilot. (gasps) Oh, I didn't even twig that. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah. It's because Stephen Moffat wanted a new jumping on point and so called it The Pilot. You could show someone who'd never seen the series this episode... And I think they'd get it. I think they'd fall in love with the show a little bit. Yeah, all core concepts are explained. What a TARDIS is, that travels in time, that travels in space. It's all there. Even we see the episode from the point of view of the companion, which hasn't happened for a long time. Mm. 
And it's a, a good change. I mean, originally I was thinking maybe it was called Bill because it was so similar in tone to Rose. Which again had the same problems, right? To reintroduce the, the, the hero. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, because we don't have a massive amount of time on this episode, we are trying to condense all that is good about the U-Cast into a much smaller form factor. So we have a kind of a structure. A structure is this. I'm going to ask my guest each week to give me but three things that they thought were good about the episode. Or, because it's the Udcast, good, good about the episode. <laughs> good. Ah. Good. That's a kind of cheese. It is a kind of cheese. So three things that are gooder about the episode. And I will also do three things. And then because, you know, we're not without criticism on this podcast, we will do one thing that we thought was less successful. Pants. Not pants, just less successful. Food. Mm. <laughs> like bad, but with... Booed. <laughs> Some of it doesn't work. I mean, we're, we are really pushing it with commodity, I reckon. Yeah, but I think we are. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Uh, so, Laura, as my lovely guest and co-host this week... And uh, wife. And wife. I'm your wife. That's true. I'm your wife now, Chris. Would you start by telling us your number one thing you thought was good? I thought the characterization and the performance delivered by our new companion, Bill, was fantastic. What's the name of the actress? Pearl Mackey. She's awesome. I really like her. She's got a lovely sort of naturalistic way about her. You get the feeling that she doesn't really... It's almost as if the camera's not on her. Do you know what I mean? She feels like she's just talking. She's not mannered. She's smashing and i just i really enjoyed bill i found the character very refreshing she's clever but she's not in her head all the time despite the fact that she's got some scenes with real emotional clout where she's got to deliver on like issues of extreme loss and grief but it never feels cloying or bogged down in that uh for me my first one is this idea of the doctor as an eternal professor and i really love the idea of that his study with all the weird trinkets in it and yeah it's just a beautiful image and you're almost like why has the doctor never been presented this way before because it fits like hand in glove it's a really lovely concept Mm. um well in fact actually look here on point three of my things i liked idea Uh, of of doctor Doctor as lecturer. lecturer i completely agree with you I really enjoyed that. Everybody's got one nutty professor somewhere who inspires and challenges them in the same way that the Doctor inspires and challenges his companions. Who was your nutty professor, Loz? Oh, I had I had a few. Um, probably my favourite one at university was a bloke called Mr... No, sorry, Professor Terry Diffie, who was a professor of aesthetics and had a very elaborate walking cane. Did he have a sword stick? No, he was a gentleman. Oh. Well, gentlemen have sort of He was a gentleman. He was a gentleman. He was interested in art and beauty, not in violence. Like the doctor. Yes, that's right. So everybody, I think, can relate the doctor to higher academia. Can I tell you about my hero academic? Yes, you can. His name's Roger Collinson, and he was my fifth year teacher. And he was a writer. He wrote children's books. He wrote books. One was called Get Lavinia Goodbody. And another one was called Paper Flags and Penny Ices. 
and he yeah so he was a published children's author and his love of words and storytelling was in everything he did it was there and i feel like it was a real formative year for me mm. and he was wonderful and when you're around people like that it brings the best out of you like i found myself desperately wanting to see what the different essays that Bill had written for the Doctor were on. You can freeze frame. I probably will freeze frame in, in a while, just to see what sort of topics he would set her, where he'd want her mind to go. I thought that that was a really nice touch. And it's also something that um, I feel like I'd want to do. I'd like to write an essay set by the Doctor. And you know what? You'd well, smash it. Thank you. And uh, Laura, haven't you already written an essay inspired by the Doctor? <laughs> yes, that's right. I have. David Tennant's Bum in the anthology Chicks Unravel Time, published by Mad Norwegian Press. Do you want to do your second point? Oh, yes. So I was going to say the sets, which I thought were fantastic. I mean, I don't know which university they'd filmed at, but I thought the sets were brilliant, especially the inside of the doctor's study with all of the little artifacts dotted around, the reminders of who he is and where he's been. But then actually the sets... And the set design led me on to a further realisation of something that I liked. I liked the possibilities that are being seeded throughout the programme. What's inside the vault mm. that the Doctor is so scared of that he's remained guarding for 50 years? Or even if there is anything inside the vault, maybe the Doctor just needs a purpose. Well, he's been there a while and he doesn't tend to settle down for just any reason, does he? There's obviously something big behind that door and it's got Gallifreyan symbols on it yeah <gasps> and you know when the time lords are involved shiz goes down it do it do that shiz it do go down here in the uk the gutter tabloid press got hold of the fact that bill was going to be a gay character i went a little mad about it what the tabloid press doing something irresponsible oh. with their journalism uh, Knock was, me down it was with a feather. all over the news uh, in the time leading up to this first episode. But I thought that it was dealt with in a really nice way. And what I thought was really interesting was at a screening, Stephen Moffat was asked about it. And I thought he was really good. He just went, we've done it before. It's been part of the series that we show diverse sexualities right from the first episode almost. Um, we don't want to pat on the back about it. Can we move on? Yeah, I agree. No big deals. It's just part of normal life. That makes me feel good. Yeah, me too. And we've already done your third one. We have. So do you want to bounce delightfully onto your third one? Yeah. Um, so my final one is Matt Lucas's character, who I'm going to call Narwhale because I can't remember what he's actually called. Nardle? Something like that. <laughs> um, he's not unlike a narwhal. You know, narwhals used to be mistaken for sea unicorns, but also for mermaids. I don't really understand that, because they're giant whales. With a spiky on the front. Well, I get that bit, but why would you think that they were mermaids? <laughs> Maybe when you've been at sea that long, sure. anything is inviting. <laughs> when you're a hammer... Everything starts looking like a nail. <gasps> Where's that from? I don't know. The Americans, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, guys, we've been watching The Americans. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. It's underappreciated in the UK, I think. Wow, we're loving it. Good. That was a little, a little plug for The Americans in yeah, the middle. Just in case they needed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
those those plucky underdogs. I know. Us, all they'll need is the support of this podcast. Yeah, and, and we'd also like to offer our support to both Tolkien and to J.K. Rowling. Yeah, in case they need it as well. <laughs> uh, so I was a bit worried about him being a companion because he's essentially or was has been a one note comedy sidekick kind of guy. I think Matt, I've seen Matt Lucas do great things, so I've never worried about him as an actor. But I think the character he was given it's wasn't just a bit meant, of a bumble fart, isn't yeah, he? Wasn't meant to be anything more than a comic relief in, in one episode. But I think what they're starting to do with him Go is on. give him some depth. I think he's now a really interesting character. The thing that I wasn't sure about, and it's part of the strengths and the weaknesses of the program, is that. As a jumping off point, um, which Moffat wanted, there were a lot of themes and ideas and situations repeated in this that I felt like I'd seen before. Mm -hmm. The monster that's made of water that can travel everywhere. The sort of the Japanese horror style wordless screaming dripping girl at the top of the stairs. And those were those are sort of standard horror tropes and TV tropes. Just handled in a way that maybe had more than a touch of deja vu about it however it didn't actually spoil my enjoyment of the episode in the moment and I think something of the familiar is necessary if you're going to bring people alongside you for the rest of the series yeah I think mine would be very similar it would be something along the lines of the monster of the week was the weakest part of the episode for me but I don't care because he wasn't interested particularly in doing the monster story. That was just a framework in which to introduce the Doctor's world, introduce Bill, st start some of this season machinery rolling. Um, so some you can't do all of those things and have a spectacular, memorable monster as well. And why was it visiting the school where the sorry the university where the Doctor has been waiting all those years? Ooh. Well, I think that's probably enough from us. You probably want to hear from the other Ood. So we have two regular uh, segments that are going to be on the show. The first one is Chris Alpha's Haiku. Hello, everyone. Lovely to be back. Here is the Haiku for the pilot. Dinner lady chased by love-struck oily puddle. Tears go unnoticed. And now we come to our second special feature from the unflappable and yet completely flappy Andrew Candish called Classic Andy. Chris Sigma wondered how I might see the new series through the eyes of one who is old enough to recall the first time the Mavellans gloriously strutted their stuff. And so my challenge this year is to frame my appreciation of the classic and new series, the 4x3 and 16x9, the CGI and CSO, here for you on whichever technological marvel you receive podcasts. So let's have a go. I did find the pilot's puddle, as it were, to be strikingly reminiscent of one of the first big scares I experienced in Doctor Who, that bit in The Deadly Assassin, where the Doctor is trapped in an unforgiving landscape in the Time Lord Matrix, and hearing the sound of running water under his feet wipes away the sand to be faced with the reflection of a cackling clown. Whether a deliberate nod to this or not, 
The shock of ordinary experiences being subverted is one of the many things Doctor Who does so well, whether it's window dummies coming to life or a phone box being bigger on the inside and travelling anywhere and when. It's just one of the reasons to love it. And speaking of ordinary experiences being subverted, Stephen Moffat brilliantly challenged our expectation of the bigger on the inside moment. I loved Bill's literal journey of realisation about the TARDIS, and Is It a Knockthrough is right there with five decades of incredulous companions. The Doctor as lecturer is another glorious idea, pouring his inevitable frustration at being stuck for decades in one place, for reasons yet to be revealed, into sharing his own wonder at the marvels of the universe must be just the tonic for him. It's been decades since the Doctor has looked over, say, 40, and this avuncular, harmless but unpredictable uncle character is very welcome back for a classic lad such as myself. Peter Capaldi plays this so well, and I want his lecture about time and space on a t-shirt. And a poster. It's one of the great Doctor moments. Thank you, Stephen Moffat. Being chased by a crush is another wonderful idea. I won't say you could only have that in Doctor Who, but it's the sort of concept that Doctor Who does so well, and a university is the sort of place crushes can feel that way. The idea may be more akin to the new series, but I somehow imagine the first Doctor chuckling at that idea. On the whole, I liked this episode as an introduction to my gloriously multifaceted, boggling, always refreshing and marvellously unique favourite TV series. It gets a smiley face and a thumbs up from me, which is appropriate because next week is the planet of the emojis. Rounding off the very week that I discovered this very language has already made it into the Oxford English Dictionary. You see, that's Doctor Who, plugged into the zeitgeist since 1963 and not letting up. I'm signing off with a big toothy grin. Well, I think that's it from us this week. Uh, Is it nice to be back, Laura? Yeah, it is. It is good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And what a great episode to start on. It feels... I've seen so many articles that that say they're falling back in love with Doctor Who again. I thought this episode was confident and zippy and fun and just, you know, it, it will never go down in history as one of the absolute classics, but it was Doctor Who on great, roaringly good form. Agreed. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, And... Catch us next week, because we'll be back next week, every Friday for the rest of this series. Uh, (laughs) Life circumstances permitting. Uh, uh, To give you a little taste of Udinist. I'd never said the word Udinist before. It doesn't really make any sense, does it? No, no, it doesn't. But it's charming. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Hey, uh, get in touch with us. We have a new listeners group called The Commodity. So search for that on Facebook. Or we've still got the old the Oodcast Twitter address. Uh, yeah, tell us what you thought. Give us your thoughts and we will look at it and go, hmm, yes. Hmm, no. Hmm, maybe. All right, everybody. Well, I'm off and Chris is going to Barcelona. So we'd better say goodbye and go pack. Oh my gosh. That's such a cool thing to be... I hadn't really realised what a great sort of Doctor Who historic thing it would be to go to Barcelona. Because <laughs> that was the planet, wasn't it? that the the 10th doctor went to yes oh amazing yeah i am actually going to barcelona uh, but i'll be back to record with a mystery guest okay it's alpha see you then bye 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 
up with it, girl. Rock with it, girl. Show them it, girl. Bada bang bang. Bounce with it, girl. Dance with it, girl. Get with it, girl. Bada bang bang. Come on, come on. Put my apron on. It's nearly lunch, so I can't take long. Gotta peel the spurs. Put the fryer on. Extra portion for my favorite one. She's coming over. Bada bang. Gonna show bada bang. her I got what she needs. Billy. No, I ain't got cash. Bada bang. I ain't got Chips, baby. Free chips, baby. Maybe we don't need diet pills to have fun tonight. I love fat girls. Maybe you don't need skinny jeans to have fun tonight. I love fat girls. You don't need no money. You want more than diamond, more than gold. As long as you keep winning. Eat your chips before they get cold. You don't need no money. More than diamond. And a dripping me, I put it on repeat, girl. Get your fuel down from the space rocket. Nothing in this world worth more than love, girl. You don't need no heartbeat. Long as you still want me, baby. 